Welcome to Watch Therefore. Our Savior Jesus told us to watch for His coming, and the signs that He spoke of are all around us, shouting, Watch Therefore, and be ready. So join me, Dove Schwartz, as we learn to watch and prepare for the coming of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now today's program was recorded at Calvary Chapel Beth Shalom in Pearland, and I'd like to invite all of our listeners in the Houston area to join us at Calvary Chapel in Pearland, where the Bible is taught line upon line, chapter upon chapter, book upon book, where prayer is a priority and where fellowship is something we experience together as Jesus, our Savior, walks in our midst by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Ray Jensen is the new pastor at Calvary Chapel, Beth Shalom, and the Lord has raised him up to lead this congregation in this critical hour just before the coming of Messiah Jesus. Listen today, and we pray you're blessed. And so Jesus is walking with Cleopas, who is unable to recognize him, and thought that he must be the only one living in all of Jerusalem who has no clue about all this big news. Now these men couldn't see that it was Jesus who was talking with them, but everybody who was anybody knew about what happened to Jesus at this time. These men were adhering to what the majority of the nation was feeding them. They were going off the majority opinion. They thought the Messiah would redeem Israel, not from sin, but from the political Roman rule. They thought this was a political thing and that the kingdom of God will be brought in right away. They were thinking all these things that we thought would happen didn't happen. Jesus is right there. They didn't know it was him. Jesus didn't come to redeem them from Rome. He came to redeem all from our sins. They didn't see the right, the real Jesus. Now, they did hear about Jesus rising again. But despite that, Jesus asked them in verse 17, Why are you sad? Why are you sad? Friends, when you listen to the world, it'll make you sad. When you do what the world wants you to do, it'll make you sad. When you watch the news and listen to the media, that's my pet peeve. (laughs) Some of you may be with me, I don't know. When you watch these guys... You listen to anyone and anything that's not speaking by the word of God, then what happens? Your face will sink. Why are you sad? I know so many people, even some of them believers, their continual state is one of sadness, depression, despair, grief, trouble. Jesus died for our sins so that he could get us in his family. We're not of this world. He's redeemed us for all eternity. We ain't staying here. So let me ask you the same thing Jesus asked these two men. Why are you sad? Well, Ray, you don't know what's going on in my life. That's okay. You don't know what's going on in my life. And I ain't sad. Get on board. Let Jesus give you joy. Stop making yourself miserable. Stop letting Satan have you. Let Jesus have you. Make him Lord. He died for it. Satan didn't do a thing for you. Don't let him have you. Jesus is Lord. Why are you sad? Don't listen to the world. Listen to God's word. The world will mess you up just like it did to these two guys. They couldn't even see Jesus and he was standing right next to them. Whatever it takes, cut off the world's opinion. Get into God's word. Luke 24 and 25. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory. 
And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus kind of got on to them for not understanding by not believing. Like I said, don't walk around sad with your head hanging around like Jesus is powerless, like he really can't do anything. Well, right, Jesus can do everything. Yeah, but is your life proving it? The way some people live, they live like they don't really believe Jesus can do it. If you ask them, they'll tell you, oh, yeah, I believe Jesus can do it. Well, then why are you sad? What's really in your heart is going to come out of your face. What's in the well comes up with the bucket. I don't want Jesus to look at me and call me a foolish one like he did with these guys. I think if Jesus did that to me, I, I, I would just want to just shrivel up. I don't want him to say that to me. Jesus explained what Moses and all the prophets had said to him, about him trying to get these two disciples to understand they should have understood from the Old Testament what just happened three days ago. It's like, you're supposed to know this stuff. This has been all in the, in the Scriptures all along. Ought not the Christ who should have suffered? I mean, don't you know this? Why are you sad? It went down just like it's supposed to go. But they didn't understand because of unbelief, doubt, maybe even a little bit of lack of knowledge of the Word. That pretty much sums up America to a T, doesn't it? Lack of knowledge of the Word. Doubt and unbelief. Luke 24 and 28. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight." I told you it was going to get better. I don't have the words to try to expand on what just happened here. I always try to give y'all some big wide thing. I just don't have the words for it, okay? He just went, and he was gone, right? Right, that's Jesus. He's out of there. I can't expand on that except that it's always good to pursue to know Jesus. I mean, know him. It takes study. It takes love of God's Word and the body of Christ. So many people, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I've loved God's Word. They don't want to go to the, be in the body of Christ. I'm not talking just this one, I mean anyone. They won't commit in. They won't get involved. You've got to do these things. If you love we are the body of Christ. You love the, Jesus, you've got to love His body and the study of His Word. It takes a genuine desire to know Jesus. I think all too often, glory comes and goes right in front of many people. They never even knew it was there. You may have had that happen to you many times in your past, that great moments of glory appeared and disappeared, and you barely knew that it happened, if at all. It takes all I can muster in mere words to try to convey to everyone, abide in Jesus. Abide in the Word of God. Live in it. Be in it. I think one of the main reasons people are sad in this world is because they don't abide with Jesus Christ. These men asked him, come and abide with us. And he did. People aren't abiding. I want you to be able to see Jesus every time he presents himself to you. And he will present himself to you somehow every day. And the only way you're going to know how to do that, to see him, is to be pursuing him in his word so that you will be able to recognize him when he shows himself in your life. Don't be like these two guys where he was right there and you ha and they have no clue. You can know when Jesus is there. Luke 24 and 32. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened up the Scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour. See, they didn't wait. They rose up that very hour. It's late. And returned to Jerusalem. 
and found the eleven and those who were with them and gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Now, it wasn't until after Jesus had broken bread with them that they recognized him. You know, Jesus had broken bread with them before. It's like something very familiar about this guy. (laughs) I've seen something just like this. And then they recognized him, right? And so that's why it says he was known to them in the breaking of bread. So the idleness and the sadness was now purged out of everybody, right? And they got up and they hurried, purged out these two guys. They got up and they hurried seven miles back to Jerusalem to tell everybody that Jesus had been resurrected from the dead. This really is a true story. Don't doubt it. Don't be idle. This really did happen. We saw him. Okay? The women didn't see him. They saw the angel saying so. But, buddy, we saw him. He was in our house. The two men now acknowledge the truth of the reports that the other people had been hearing about Jesus' resurrection. Because now they had recognized them themselves. And so now, the 11 disciples, they had several reports of the resurrection. Now several reports. The women came back and told Peter and Cleopas and his companion. These were at least three agreeing reports. Three. Back then, three truths had to be, a truth had to be established by two to three witnesses for it to be real. When Jesus was talking about convincing others to repent one time, he said in Matthew 18, he said, but if he will not hear, take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Part of the reason why I go into other gospel accounts of the same storyline is for this very reason right here, because of the the various witnesses. I want to give you a second or a third witness, the writing of other people who have witnessed these gospel accounts to establish a truth. And I'm using other accounts from Mark and John and all the others that Jesus really did rise from the dead. These things did happen. And so the disciples now have three reports from various people from various areas. I love how Jesus let three agreeing reports come to them first. These reports had to propagate back to them first, right before he appeared with them directly which is what he's about to do. Luke 24 and 36. Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and some honeycomb. And he took it and ate it in their presence. You know, I've heard the old saying, seeing is believing. Well, apparently that's not true. (laughs) They saw and they weren't believing. Some things I noticed here just now that, uh, that Jesus did and said here. In verse 39, a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Usually we say flesh and blood. He didn't say blood. He said flesh and bone. Where's the blood? It was spilled. It was all spilled out. It was spilled out for us. So he said, you see, the spirit doesn't have flesh and bone as I have. So they're looking right at Jesus and they're still having a hard time believing this is actually him. They thought they were seeing a spirit, not a physical, tangible, touchable body. 
And so that's why Jesus said, here, touch me, handle me, check, check me out. Look, I'm, I'm the real thing here. And feel of him. Not only that, but his risen body, obviously, like I said, it still had all the scarring and the physical damage of a crucifixion. You know, the movies we have and the things we think of in crucifixion, it does not depict it the way it really was. Jesus was beaten so bad. He was unrecognizable. It was bad. Now for this same exact body to be standing there still with the wounds and the damage, it must have freaked them out. It would have blown my mind. Now again, I'm going to venture into another gospel, this time in the book of John, to show you a wonderful story here. Check this out. This is neat. John 20 and 24. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the prints of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. The first time I saw it say, Thomas called the twin, I laughed and laughed so hard. Think about it. Follow me here. (laughs) Thomas is a twin. You got to think about this from Thomas' point of view. He has an exact duplicate of himself running around out there somewhere, right? Guy that looks just like him. Thomas knows the kind of tricks that only twins can get away with. And so he must have been remembering back, you know, when there were two carbon copies of himself running around. He must remember back to whatever mischief that him and his brother got into from being able to look exactly the same. And so Thomas says, I won't believe until I see the wounds. What you saw was somebody that looked like him. That wasn't him. That was a duplicate. He must have a twin brother who's trying to cash in on his popularity. I won't believe until I see the wounds. They stuck that spear in his side. I have to put my hand in there. They nailed his hands. I got to put my fingers in those holes. That's what I have to see. You can't have a twin with damage like that and still walking around going, hey, I'm him. It won't work. And so in the book of John, Jesus showed up again just so that Thomas could see him and offered to let Thomas see his wounds. And it just zapped Thomas. With belief. The Bible doesn't even say that Thomas actually put, put his hands in there. He saw it and he fell down and said, My Lord and my God. It got him. So Jesus is letting the disciples touch and feel him to see that he's not an imposter that's trying to cash in on Jesus' popularity to mislead them. It's actually him, it's the real Jesus. And he asked them for food to prove that he's not a spirit. It's really, really him. Spirits don't eat, Jesus ate. Friends, Jesus rose again from the dead. He really did it. Believe it. Well, I wasn't there to see it. Okay, believe it by faith. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That's how you get saved. If you've ever wondered, how do I get saved? That's it right there. So Luke 24 and 44. Then He said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, it means look, I send the promise of my Father upon you, 
but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass, while he blessed them, that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Jesus showed his followers all the facts written in the Old Testament about the Messiah. The law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms all foretold about Jesus as the Messiah that it was all to be fulfilled. He showed them from different parts of Scripture that he is the Messiah and that he must suffer and rise from the dead. I want to show you just a little bit real quick of what he was reminding them about from Scriptures that these men would have known. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, which are sins. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. I like how it says the chastisement for our peace was upon him. That's why we're saved through Jesus Christ. The chastisement, the punishment for sin that we deserve, that we were supposed to get, was put on Jesus instead of us, if you believe it. I want to show you in Isaiah 61.1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the, of the prison to those who are bound. Look at that where it says, heal the brokenhearted. That's a biggie. You can be brokenhearted and be saved. There are people who are brokenhearted in this world because they listen to it. There are people who are brokenhearted in this world because they follow it. What does Jesus say he came to do? He sent me to heal it. There's no reason to walk brokenhearted when Jesus came to heal that. Let Jesus in. That wall that you built up to keep everybody out because you've been hurt. I'm, I'm hurt. Everybody that gets close to me hurts me. Knock that wall down. Let Jesus in, and He will heal the brokenhearted. He says so, right there. Again, this is not my opinion. This is the Word of God. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. You know, this isn't just people in literal prison. You can be brokenhearted and be a prisoner of your brokenheartedness. He wants to let you out. Get out there and use those gifts that He's given you. Plug it into the body of Christ. I love how it says in verse 45, though, back in, in Luke there, that He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. I've had people ask me, Ray, how is it that you can get so much out of a small segment of Scripture? I believe because I have prayed for exactly what Jesus did for these disciples right here. I have a friend who, who texts me or calls me with a little piece of Scripture. I don't get it. And I'll, I'll talk to him for 30 minutes on that one piece of Scripture. He goes, how do you do that? The Holy Spirit gives me the ability to do it. He can do the same for you. I know some of you can do it as well. It ain't just me. I prayed that Jesus would open my understanding so that I could understand. If you have been believing the lie that you can interpret the Bible for yourself and make it say anything you want to, then you don't know the Lord like you should know Him. He gives the understanding. The Bible does not read a dozen different ways. It reads one way. Well, Ray, why are there all these varying religions out there? Because everybody's not going by the interpretation that He gives. It reads one way. It reads the way that the Lord gives us understanding for it to mean. 2 Peter 1.20, it says that no prophecy of Scripture is of any 
private interpretation. It's given by the Holy Spirit. You must receive the understanding from God. I pray that everyone here will read the Word of God by asking Him to open their understanding for you to understand the Scriptures. We need this, just like the disciples needed. This understanding opened up to them too. Now Jesus commanded them to remain in Jerusalem until they had received power from on high. He was referring to the receiving of the Holy Spirit. You can read about when the Holy Spirit came in the book of Acts. So He led them to Bethany and blessed them. Then He ascended up to heaven. He got carried up. It is plain from Scripture that Jesus' essential was a literal, bodily, physical return back to heaven. I want to show you in Acts 1.10. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as He went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Friends, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. Why are you sad? Why are you heartbroken? Why are you imprisoned? What's the matter? Jesus died to free you. He's coming back. This here is not the end of the story. There's more to come. He's coming back. I remind everyone every Sunday, like you heard me today, of our vision. In Calvary Chapel, Beth Shalom, House of Peace exists according to the word of the Lord to make authentic disciples of Messiah Jesus in preparation of His glorious second coming. I'm excited. Jesus' ascension marked His return to heavenly glory. He returned to His heavenly glory. We've got to understand that Jesus' heavenly glory was veiled. It was covered while He walked on earth. It was masked so that He looked like an ordinary man. At one point during the transfiguration, that cover was lifted so that his real appearance could be seen. You may remember the transfiguration. It said his face changed, and they were like, whoa. They got to see it that one time. But now Jesus is returning to his heavenly glory. And another point of importance here is that God the Father is now exalting, lifting Jesus up here. It says he ascended. He got lifted up to heaven, right? We can remember other lessons that says whoever humbles himself will be exalted, meaning lifted. Whoever, whoever lowers himself, God will lift. But whoever tries to lift himself, I'm the most awesome guy that ever walked the earth. God's going to shove you down. This Jesus now being ascended, this was proof that since Jesus humbled himself for us all the way to the point of death on a cross, that now God the Father is publicly exalting Jesus up. If you want to be exalted by God, then humble yourself like Jesus did. Finally, Jesus' ascension showed us that He did indeed go to prepare a place for us just as He promised He would do. Thanks for listening today, and please join me every day, Monday through Friday, unless our Lord Jesus returns for us this week. This program is listener-supported and depends on tax-deductible donations to stay on the air. Give to Watch Therefore and contact me through our website at watchtherefore.tv. You can also send tax-deductible donations to Watch Therefore, P.O. Box 564, Pearland, Texas, 77588. Again, by the web, watchtherefore.tv and mail, Watch Therefore, P.O. Box 564, Pearland, Texas, 77588. You can also call me right now at 713-624-0943. That's 713-624-0943.
Keep watching for Messiah Jesus. This is John Peake with Israeli Self-Defense and Fitness. We are the new breed of martial arts and fitness designed to give you the understanding and skills to defend yourself and your family against an attack or threat by an armed or unarmed attacker or multiple attackers. We're an international organization led by former Israeli soldiers with a curriculum that is simple and effective. You owe it to yourself, family, and loved ones to be able to defend against any assault should the need arise. We are followers of Jesus Christ, led by His Holy Spirit to provide a safe and functional training environment to develop life-saving skills and increase your physical fitness beyond what you may think is possible. We offer group, private, and corporate training. Call today and mention KKHT to get a 10% discount on your membership. Remember, you owe it to yourself and loved ones not to be a victim. Visit us on the web at IsraeliSelfDefense.net or call 713-53-TRAIN. That's 713-538-7246 to get started today.